just made me realize it was a choice like I want to be with you I'm not just with you because it's easy or because of the kids or you know it's just what I'm used to it made me realize that it was a choice and not a default welcome to normalizing non-monogamy the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy. Well, welcome to episode 230. That's exciting. Is it, what's so exciting about it? <laughs> I don't know, because we're just like getting more and more episodes, and it's exciting. Just 70 away from 300? Yeah, I don't know. There's no really, it's just Two, exciting. 270 away from 1,000? <laughs> we're sneaking up on it. We need to start preparing for the thousandth episode. Wait, 270 away from a thousand. 770. Oh, there you go. What did I say? 270. That's from 500. I was right. I was just a little confused. Well, anyway. we'll, we'll have a pre-party at 500 right. for the 1,000th episode extravaganza. Right. So, yeah. We got a little while for that, yeah, but mark, we're working our way there. Mark your calendars for 2025. <laughs> I think it's more than that. 2028. <laughs> anyway, we're Finn and Emma. And welcome to the show. We Today we have a conversation and interview with CJ, and she has been with her husband for about 18 years. And by the time she was 30, she realized that she's been, she's done everything that she really like set out to do. She had a job that she loved and she already had kids and their marriage that she wanted, but she realized something was missing. So her and her husband have been working on opening their relationship over the past three years. Yeah, it was interesting hearing her talk about, she sort of described a, a midlife crisis before she really even hit 30. And so what what her and her husband did with that is pretty amazing. And it's a beautiful story. And so we're we're grateful that she came on to share. And, and thank you to her husband for uh, supporting that. And also check out uh, CJ's book, uh, came out not that long ago, called Into the Open, which is sort of a fictional representation of I wouldn't say exactly their marriage, but she does she does drop some spoilers in this. Um, like things that have actually happened in real life show up in the book in various ways. And so, yeah, we're really excited about it and we're grateful to her for doing that work and again, for coming on the show. So check out the book. There are links in the show notes at normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Just click on the podcast tab and you'll see links there. Yes. Before we jump into the interview, we do have a couple of quick announcements. First up, a huge thank you to our incredible Patreon community. We're so grateful for all of you. If you're out there looking for community, we have a community of over 200 people now. It's amazing. We have an ongoing MeWe chat. We have uh, monthly Q&As. Actually, the next Q&A, was, or the our April Q&A was last night, so, but we'll, we'll have another one in May. Tough luck. You don't get to... <laughs> I know, but we'll have another one in May. We also have men's and women's groups. Um, so if you're looking for like-minded people, come check it out. Go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Tom. You got this. You got it. <laughs> Normalizingnonmonogamy.com. <laughs> and click on the Patreon button. <laughs> and another huge thank you to everybody who came out in person and met us and met each other over the last few weeks. We've done a handful of events um, in Northern California and Southern California. We did pole dancing. We did a meet and greet. We did a, a 
improv in the park. Yes. We did another meet and greet in San Diego. So we've done a whole bunch of stuff and we've probably met about 80 to 100 different people. Yes. And it's been amazing. So thank you to anybody who's out there, who joined us, who came out, who just supported the work we're doing. So it was wonderful, wonderful to meet all of you. And likewise, the people we met back in New Orleans earlier this uh, spring, winter, I don't know, depends on where you're February. at. February. <laughs> and so, yeah, just a huge thank you to everybody who's who's come out to the events. And if you're bummed that you missed us and you want to maybe take another stab at meeting us, we have one more event tomorrow, Thursday, April 7th in Los Angeles. It is an event actually hosted by Sex Positive LA called movie night and poly hang we're going to watch or screen a couple of different um a new a new documentary that is on netflix about pleasure and then there's going to be sort of conversations in between so emma and i will be there again this is a sex positive la event but we're going to be there we're going to have swag and we're going to be hanging out with uh, everybody there so if you get a chance come out and check it out there are links on our website uh click on the community events tab and then under in-person events you'll see links directly there to sign up through uh, sex positive la's eventbrite yes and then after that our next in-person uh, event is going to be in new orleans in september so we will have the weekend of september 17th mark your calendars it'll be a whole weekend of really fun activities so um, more information will be coming out very soon about that. But if you want to go sign up now for the pool party and the high ropes course, you can do that on yes. uh, the community events tab as well, right next to where you just signed up for Sex Positive LA. Exactly. We also have some fun virtual events coming up on April 22nd, we have a virtual trivia night. And on April 23rd, we have a virtual meet and greet. So no matter where you're at, you can join those. These events are open to anyone who is open-minded and respectful. We'd love to have you join us. Again, as Finn said, go to the community events tab on our website and you can find out more. Yeah. And with that, we're going to jump into the interview. But first, uh, head over to our website, click on the contact us tab, send us a voicemail, send us an email. We'd love to get them. We respond to them all. And we would love to hear from you. Maybe you're interested in coming on the show. Maybe you just want to give us some feedback or who knows? Who knows what you got for us? So we would love to hear from you. And we would love to meet you tomorrow at the event with Sex Positive LA. Until then, we'll see you on the other side. Let's, Let's go. go. Let's go talk to CJ. Let's go. Welcome, CJ, to the show. We're excited to talk to you today and hear your stories. Thanks for being here. And Thank for you. putting up with our nonsense. There hasn't been that much nonsense. It's a little bit of nonsense this morning. <laughs> we're excited to talk, so thank you for being here. Thank you. Do you mind starting just by introducing yourself? Okay, uh, so I'm CJ. I'm in England. I'm in my mid-30s. I'm married and I've got two kids. Um, and we've been kind of exploring non-monogamy very, very slowly over the last few years. Um, the pandemic's kind of helped with the slowness, which my husband's been pretty glad about, but it's been quite frustrating for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did, did you start opening, like having those conversations about opening up like at the beginning of the pandemic or was there some lead up? No, that? there was uh, quite a lot of lead up. Um, so we'd had kind of um, a couple of sort of dates and things right before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was kind of timed pretty terribly uh, from my point of view, but actually uh, did serve as well in the end because it did just force us to slow down, which I'm not always yeah. the best at. I'm quite impatient. Yeah. <laughs> right. And what did, what did that lead up 
like what did that lead up look like and how well one second i'm gonna interrupt you perfect (laughs) i'm gonna back you up for a little bit uh how long have you two been together and where i guess when was non-monogamy introduced in your relationship (laughs) hold on that's what i was trying to ask with my question okay (laughs) (laughs) um so we've been together i was 18 when we met um, so it's my first kind of proper relationship. Um, I'm 36 now, so that's half my life. Um, and then it probably was introduced. So, so we had kids quite young. We, uh, did all the whole relationship escalator thing. I kind of got to, before I was 30, I kind of had my life set. So I had kids, I was married, had a house, had a job that I loved, had friends that we loved, lived, loved the town that we live in. And it was kind of like, what am I going to do with my thirties? Like I'm, I've done everything. Like all my friends are kind of getting to that place now and doing all that stuff, but I've done it already. Um, so I think it kind of started around then a bit of a midlife crisis when other people were having their Bridget Jones kind of body clock is ticking when you're going to have a baby. I was like, I've done all those things. Um, so that's kind of when I guess I started having my little panic, um, and wanting a little bit more for, for myself. Yeah. And were you the one that brought it up, yes. brought up non-monogamy? Yeah, hundred percent. <laughs> and and what was I guess your introduction to it? Did you just get curious and start researching? Um, I think I just always kind of had crushes on people and just thought that wasn't okay. But I think from the start, I always was kind of like you can do what you like with anyone; it doesn't bother me as long as we're still together. And I don't even need to know about it. Just tell me, kind of, if you're going to leave me or, or whatever. Um, but he was very much cheating is absolutely unacceptable. So I have these crushes, but I kind of thought I couldn't do anything about them. And then the more you're watching all these love triangles on TV and all of that. And I'm like, if they just spoke to each other, I'm sure this could work out. Like, why can't they just all get together and like all get on? And so it just always made a lot of sense to me. Um, And I'm a big reader. So then I just started reading like every book I could get my hands on about it. And, and I think that's, so I've, I'm writing a book now and it was, I would I would always be trying to get my husband to read all these books that I'd read and loved or at least just giving him little passages to read and he basically wasn't interested and reading a non-fiction book about a topic that you're not really interested in is quite boring um and he I just couldn't get him on board so um I decided to take a different slant on it and and go for fiction and kind of tell a story that was easier to read that maybe would be a bit more attractive to somebody that wasn't that interested in learning about it, but there was maybe a bit more entertaining rather than educational. Um, So, yeah, so I was like all over all the books, every film, every TV show, and there's so many more of them about now, right? Like it's, it's not that hard to uh, find examples of non-monogamy, but they're just not always the healthiest. I was going to say, yeah, finding examples are, examples are abundant, Mm -hmm. Uh, healthy ones or, you know, maybe accurate depictions are, are fewer and far between, but Mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. And, and so as you, so so for the 12 years, let's say roughly 12 years of like, Mm -hmm. you got together and then you sort of had the like moment of like, Oh, this, maybe I want to be a little more serious about that. But in that 12 year gap, it sounds like he was pretty serious about monogamy and how, so how do you start to broach that, that subject with him while, sort of unknowing that piece of him? Um, so I think it kind of happened. So we both had a couple of sort of drunken snogs on stag do's and hen nights and things like that. And he was just okay with that. And it 
it kind of just opened the door to me that maybe this, maybe like I've all this time, he's been like, absolutely no to any cheating is wrong. And um, it, it just opened the door that I kissed someone and I told him about it and I was kind of nervous, but then he was just like, oh yeah, that's fine. Um, and then it was only, so that was um, like away on a head night, just a random. Um, and then it happened with somebody local and again, it was fine. Um, but then I said, I'd like to do it again. And that kind of put a bit of a change in the direction and he had to kind of take it a bit more seriously. And so we were talking for a long time about, you know, would it be okay for me to see this person again? And, and then, uh, we were on another night out and ended up, um, this guy and a bunch of other friends all came back to our house. Um, my husband was the one to invite them all back. And then we kind of hung out for a bit and then he goes off to bed and I took that as permission that it was all okay. Um, so I did it again. Um, and then, yeah, it was not okay. <laughs> um, and when you say did it again, you say like, just kiss a kiss. Else. Yeah, just a kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, it was not okay. Um, but it was kind of pushing that boundary was what we needed to kind of take that conversation up a level and for him to really take it seriously and understand that it's something I really wanted and that was important. Um, so I'm glad that I did push the boundary, but I'm glad I didn't push it further because that might have sent us off the other way. Um, so, yeah, so kind of knowing, I, and that's the thing with a boundary rather than a rule, isn't it? <laughs> Where it was, you know, I, I, I knew if it, I guess I probably did knew that it, know that it wasn't that okay or I probably would have gone further. Um, so I did know, like, oh, I'll probably get away with a kiss, so let's, let's go with that. Um, and it did, and it was, you know, it wasn't okay, but it did force us into having the conversations and and kind of taking it a step further and really making it serious yeah Yeah, that's really interesting like i see that night playing out and like i think probably now and maybe maybe this is the question is like looking back on that now like how would you approach that night differently because it sounds like there was no communication really like I'm going to go to bed and you're like, okay, I'm now hanging out with this guy and potentially some other friends that Mm -hmm. he randomly invited back to our house, even Mm -hmm. though he didn't know them. And now he's off and like, that's a really interesting, like this, the situations we find ourselves in sometimes, I don't know that we know how to navigate them. Yeah. And I think we kind of look back on, on these situations and we, we see it as a miscommunication rather than kind of anyone purposefully doing anything wrong and I think in a lot of the conversations you know there's been a few times where it's happened where we've both kind of interpreted a conversation differently um but I think we're quite good at learning from that and not being angry about it just understanding the other person's point of view so it's, it's really helped you know like everyone says our communication is just amazing now we because we're not scared to say like once you've said I'd like to have sex with other people you kind of and then you start talking about fantasies and things it become just communication nothing scary anymore you can kind of say what you mean and check that they've understood it and um I'll ask him to repeat things back to me and kind of like can you confirm what you know what we've just agreed to and and make sure that we're both on the same page yeah I think that's huge right to even to be like oh I'm, I'm interested in having sex with other people and then like, what does that mean though? Right? Like there's, there's so many levels to what that means. And then, yeah, like you said, you circle back and you say, so here's what we talked about. What's your takeaway? What's my takeaway? Let's make sure we're actually on the same page. Cause it is so, I mean, we not like we don't run into this, mm-hmm. right. Where you find out like a week later, you both are on totally different mm-hmm. paths from the same conversation. And you're like, how, how did this, how did this even happen? Yeah. 
Or even just after that conversation, you once you've had a bit of time to reflect, you might think slightly differently. So kind of even if something's been agreed to, just still checking in again and, mm-hmm. you know, just moods change and situations change. So just constantly checking in with each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. So I'm just going to take that, you, us back to like the, that. I guess you called it a boundary push <laughs> in a way. How did how did you you said you started talking more, but how how did that progression go? Um, so I think it was a lot of um, me trying to ask to talk about it, um, and him saying like I'm really busy with work at the moment. Can we leave it for a bit? And you know I'm not ready to talk about this yet. And then I would try and wait and. I'd get frustrated and impatient waiting to for an appropriate time then event and just because it wasn't at the forefront of his mind and and so then my argument would be if it's not the forefront of your mind it's obviously not bothering you that much is it and then we'd have a little argument um but I think and eventually again like I would push that boundary where he'd asked me to wait and I'd say look I've been waiting long enough like we need to talk about this this is you know this is an issue for me and we need to work it out so um but I think it was about you know I know if I have bad timing like he is not a morning person so if I try and have the conversation in the morning which is when I do my thinking um so that would be the best time for me to talk um, but if I try and have the conversation with him in the morning before he's fully up and ready for the day then I'm just going to get nowhere so it's really about trying to pick my moment and almost kind of booking in an appointment to talk about it uh, which mm-hmm. sounds a little bit uh, crazy, I think, but it uh, yeah, it has worked. And we'd also we'd almost book it in like a counselling session, but just not have the counsellor there because we're we yeah. are good at communicating with each other. We've just got to sit down and make the time to do it. Yeah, I, and I don't. You said it sounds a little crazy. I I can see that, but I think it's also a valid strategy to have to have super. You know, it could be very hard, vulnerable conversations, and both being able to be. I guess, prepared for that. And also like in that mindset. So you can set that side time aside, be intentional about setting that time aside. Cause it's so easy just to kick it down the road, kick it down the road, kick it down the road. But if you set that aside, you can both be prepared. And then say you show up and you're like, Hey, I'm feeling really off. I'm not ready for this. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then let's reschedule it and do it. And like, you can't just keep rescheduling it, but it's, yeah. I don't know. It's, there's some validity to that strategy. And I think it can be really helpful in a lot of yeah, situations. It was, yeah. And the other thing I would do is if all the thoughts were there in my head, but I knew he wasn't ready to talk, I'd just write it all down um, yeah. and possibly write it a personal version for myself and then edit it and do a version for him, almost like a letter for him to read whenever he was ready and then take his time to respond to um, I Again, because that's how I work well, I would encourage him to write down his thoughts and feelings and things that's not so natural for him um but actually when he has done it it's it's just shown me so much more of what's going on for him um and it's yeah it's just some somehow a little bit easier to to get the thoughts flowing I think yeah I think I just want to echo what Emma said like that's a I think it's a super valid strategy and I know some people are like oh that sounds so clinical but like if you if if you know you're about to have a hard conversation like to say like hey you know tomorrow after the kids go to bed at eight o'clock, I'd love to sit down and talk about these three or four things. So like, 
does that work for you for one and two like you know then he can come prepared you can come prepared and it's not it's yeah like you said you're not on the way out the door like well i gotta take the kids here and do this and run to the store and also how about that non-monogamy we want to be doing <laughs> yeah. and then like like it's like thrown in the middle and it's yeah i think being intentional about it is mm-hmm. is a really good strategy so i i appreciate mm-hmm. you sharing and that. writing down what you said yeah. like writing things down too because one of you may be ready and the other one's not and that's okay. Like writing the, your thoughts down yeah. and then giving them to that person, they can choose when and h- when to read it and how to respond. Yeah. And the same, I can kind of splurge out everything that's in my head and then just go through it and pick out the bits that he actually needs to hear or the bits that I'm saying, like, this is something I really want. And this is what I need from you to kind of make it work um, rather than him needing to hear all of my innermost feelings. Um, yeah. Just, I'm thinking of Ross and Rachel and that letter. It's like 17 pages, front and back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, I could, I could quite happily do one of those a day. I think at some sometimes. Um, but yeah. So I try and pick out the kind of key points and use them as a bit of a starting point for our conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I am quite clinical about it. I suppose. But uh, it, it. Yeah. It has worked for us. No, I love that, and thank you for sharing that. And mm-hmm. you, you made a comment too when in that 12 year gap that like you kissed some people and it sounds like maybe he did as well. Was there, and we don't need to necessarily focus mm-hmm. on it. I just wanted to like clarify that, that like it was a little bit of both of you sort of exploring. Uh, yes, but in different ways. So he would be more, you know, like it'd be a stag do and it was like a dare kind of, you know, just having a laugh. Whereas mine would be like I'd be actually attracted to the person. Um, I gotcha. So you know, yeah, slightly different. I gotcha. That makes sense. And, and I think it's just, I think just to highlight too, like you said that like he, he came at this with like cheating is horrible. We're not ever doing that. But as you've sort of unraveled that it's, it hasn't been quite as rigid. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's just interesting to, to know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how did, how did it progress from you start to ha- have these conversations scheduling the time to talk about it? You had, you had the kiss, then you had the second kiss. And then how how did we move forward? Um, so nothing more happened with that guy. Um, what happened next? Um, I think we, I was listening to lots of podcasts and then I heard um, about, I think might possibly on yours, I heard about hashtag open, um, the dating app. And um, so I downloaded it and kind of got on there and said to him, like, why don't you just get on it and just see? Um and so I met somebody from that and this this was right before lockdown so yeah like we we had a really good time I'm still in touch with him but obviously I haven't because it's long distance haven't seen him again and then yeah and then my husband had a date as well and uh, kind of between lockdowns and then I when we so the date that he went on she told him about another app field um mm-hmm. and then I so I downloaded that like that day because uh, she told him about it. And then I've, yeah, I've had some great times off of the back of that. And suddenly it kind of, yeah, it all exploded in a good way. And so I've met three different people off of there and met them all kind of a handful of times. And yeah, it's been awesome. Um, but I think I definitely really wanted polyamory, not kind of just sex. I wanted like to have a relationship with someone and none of them have kind of become that. I still have that with the first guy that I met before, but I haven't seen again. And I've kind of got a friends with benefits 
thing going on with a girl at the moment um so it's yeah it's really nice I feel in a really nice position now and I think it's just about knowing that I can be open to opportunities and so it's nothing yeah it's not developed like he, I think he seems pretty certain that he doesn't want more and right now I'm quite happy with with how things are for me so it's quite we're in a really lovely place with it at the moment just both really happy with how things are and it's all very settled and um wholesome and nice um so it's yeah uh, I think if that changes and I want to meet someone else then we'll still be having difficult conversations again because it's been quite a while since there's been a new person mm-hmm. just because have we been yeah I lose track of all the lockdowns and things that we've had <laughs> but yeah, it'll all be kind of going well again and then we lock down again and then it opens up again but it's all yeah um so no, there's not not been a new person for a while. So the two people that I kind of have something with, they're quite established now. So yeah. that's all very comfortable and nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you had said that he's not interested in more, I think was your mm-hmm. phrasing. Was that meaning like your husband's not interested in exploring non-monogamy like on his own or like he found he had the one date with the one person. And so it's sort of like you and her and that's sort of his sort of polysaturation or he's sort of pulled back no nothing more happened with her he just had one day um i think he would so he he's still got the apps on his phone i think he would if he matched with someone kind of really really perfect um Mm -hmm. but i think it's a lot harder to find girls than guys isn't it (laughs) Uh, so he's not um yeah he's not had anyone that's kind of bowled him over there was one girl and he was quite excited about her but and then she ended up cancelling before they met um and i think if that had gone anywhere, then I think that that he might have gone for that. Like he um he he, he was chatting to her like the day he started chatting to her, he got his skateboard out of the cupboard and started skateboarding. So which is what I've always said, like when you're chatting to someone new, it makes you want to do all this new stuff. Like you wanna you wanna do all this stuff you said you were gonna do forever. Like you start running or you, whatever it might be. So and I th- don't think he ever understood that really. He was like, why don't you want to do that for me? Um, and then he did exactly what I told him. Uh, so yeah, so he met her and started skateboarding and like joined a band and things like that. So really it like made him really up his game. So I think he did understand the kind of NRE thing. Then it gave him that kind of rush of energy and motivation to, to do new things. And uh, so it, that really helped just for him to have that experience and to understand where I was coming from when I talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's huge. I th- and I appreciate you sharing that as well. Like it's, it's a real thing. Like you, it sort of sparks something mm-hmm. and, and it's hard. I think it is hard, right. As the, I don't say the existing partner to watch that energy come back. What's the new relationship? Energy? Yeah. But not necessarily yeah. because of you. Right. And so there's, yeah. I think there's a lot of insecurity that can be drawn up there. Oh yeah, totally. Has there been insecurities for either one of you? I, not really so I think that's been one of the things that I've asked him is um when I like give him homework from our conversations and um, so I asked him to kind of write down like what what is it that you're actually scared of like what are you worried will happen if you say yes and I think obviously the automatic thing is I assumed he would he was worried that we'd end up splitting up um but neither of us have ever worried about that we're really you know we've been together so long um so neither of us were were worried about splitting up I think what came from that was he was worried that he'd be like disgusted and not want to touch me anymore and so then 
So we might split up because he would leave me rather than me meeting someone else and, and leaving him. And he was worried that, um, like, every time he says yes to something, it's just pushing us further down. And it's, you know, what will be the next thing that I ask for? Like, when, when will it ever be over? Am I, am I going to want to have kids with someone else? Am I going to want them to move in with us? Like, I think it's it's the fear of the unknown more than anything else. Yeah. And what's the limit, right? Does it ever end? Like how, cause, cause right. Your relationship, like you said, was sort of on the relationship escalator. You, you did the whole thing in, in 10 years or so. And so I think it's easy yeah, to say like, well, what's it going to be like with somebody else that if that's your only framework, yeah. it's very easy to yeah. let that, that get away from you. But I saw it as like the, the next level in a relationship. So it's like, mm-hmm. we're so happy and loves each other so unconditionally that we can go to the next level of, of sharing that with more people. And I think I'm really affectionate and he's not. And uh, my kids are getting older. They don't want all my cuddles anymore. I'm just like, I've got this, all this love in me. I want someone to give it to. And um, so it's, and I think he actually likes that. He gets quite annoyed with me being overly affectionate all the time. So he's quite glad that I've got someone else to, to give that to sometimes. Um, so, you know, and he sees that it benefits him. And I and I try, again, that's another thing, just trying to get him to, you know, rep- like the gratitude thing of if you say what you're grateful for, it reminds you of it and you think about it more rather than it's so easy to hold on to negative emotions. Uh, so it just helps him, if I get him, like get him to actually say out loud how me being with other people benefits him as well. And because there's loads of ways and, or, you know, all that NRE stuff that I'm doing, that benefits him too. If I'm healthier and I'm like doing more cooking or cleaning, cleaning the house because someone's coming over, you know, it's all stuff that he benefits from as well. So just getting him to acknowledge that sometimes helps him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And I was curious though, the, like the evolution of the kit you, the night we'll call it the night the night <laughs> the night at your house where he went to bed and then the conversation sort of got rekindled how did those progress the how did those conversations then progress from like hey this wasn't okay tonight to be doing what we did or mm-hmm. to do what you did to like let's let's start exploring like let's get on field or let's get on um hashtag open and see what's out there because there's a yeah. there's a big gap between there yeah I don't know, really. I think it was just, it was just getting silly. It had been so long that of having the conversations and it was like, you know, I think we just had to take some kind of next step. And, you know, it was just, we're in a small town, like I wasn't gonna meet somebody just naturally, or it's very unlikely. So getting on an app was really the only way. And I obviously wasn't going to go on Tinder or anything like that. So it was just, yeah, it was just necessary to, you know, we couldn't just keep talking forever. We had to do something. Sure. You had to take some action. Sure. Yeah. But for him to be okay, for him to shift to being okay, like you're going to go on a date and you'll probably kiss them and you may mm-hmm. want to go further than kissing them. Like it sounds like the kiss wasn't necessarily the problem. It yeah. was the like, what is this going to look like if we continue and maybe figuring out what that framework is going to be, or at least what you think it's going to be, because it could yeah. change tomorrow, right? Yeah. I think it was just looking at it one step at a time, because downloading the app and getting on it is one thing. And then, you know, you might never match with anyone, or you might not match with anyone that you like. And so I think we just, we were just looking at it as as one step at a time. Um, something I haven't mentioned either is that um, throughout this time, my mum was sick, and uh, 
I, uh, so this comes up, this is in the Esther Perel talk, isn't it? How often bereavement makes people kind of reassess their life and um, they quite often it can lead to affairs or having these sorts of conversations. And for me, we'd already been having those conversations and I knew that I knew that I already wanted it, but it felt a bit like a get out of jail free card, which is awful, isn't it? But I was like, oh, like no one, if I like did cheat on him now, and he let, like everyone, he would look like the bad guy because my mum's dying. <laughs> like it was, uh, so in a way it kind of, that helped because, and I was like, people understand it's a much, it's much more kind of palatable, like, oh, my mum's sick and, you know, oh, she's just having a crazy time. She's having a bit of a breakdown over it. And I think it felt like people would be much more accepting of it. Um, so that kind of helped. It gave me a little bit more confidence maybe to push ahead. Um, but, but at, in that, like, I think, so it's easier to sell it as it helped me through a traumatic experience, but actually, um, you know, it was all it was all going on before, and it genuinely really helped me. It wasn't me having a breakdown; it was just really helpful to have other people supporting me through that time and who understood. And it was really nice to speak to people that, you know, obviously for my husband, he was sad in his own right about it, but for someone else who doesn't know my mom and doesn't know my family and background and all of that it was really nice to have somebody completely separate to talk to or to not talk to about it who didn't know about it so it it really really helped me through and not in a I just need to go off the rails because this is all going on it was just I need some actual support and friendship but from someone that's not kind of personally involved with it Mm-hmm. Yeah, having that person that's removed a little bit mm-hmm. can offer either a different respe- perspective or just a reprieve from yeah. what's going on. Yeah, and yeah. especially because this was through lockdown, and so I just didn't have, I wasn't able to see anyone to have a chat with them and just a hug or a walk or anything. You know, I was just stuck in my house all the time, so there was no one else to properly talk to. So having having someone who I was having quite in-depth, intimate conversations with outside of my household was just, yeah, it got me through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing that. And I think, right, to maybe, to to your point, though, it wasn't like you you use this as an excuse to like, now I'm going to bring up non-monogamy or (laughs) even even better, I'm just going to cheat because then it'll be okay Mm -hmm. because I'm going through this hard thing. And and I think there's probably very few people who look at it that calculated and like premeditated, no, but yeah. I think it does, it happens a lot. We've interviewed people on the show who a, a, a loved one has passed away and that's where an infidelity pops up and then that starts the conversation. But you kind of came at it backwards yeah. from that. And I, I think maybe a healthier approach. So I appreciate you sharing it. But I wonder, I wonder how much other people were already thinking about it before. And then Mm -hmm. the bereavement gives them the excuse and the, the, like, well, we're all going to die anyway. Let's just do it. Um, And I I just wonder, because in my view, I was just like, well, if people heard about it now, and this is like the first they hear about it, they will just put it down to me being sad about mum, And they'll just like, they won't make a big deal about it and they won't there won't be like awful rumors and gossip because people will get it um but actually i know that it was and i'm really pleased that we were having the conversations for quite a long time before that happened um but from the outside i just felt like oh, people will kind of get it and be a bit nicer about it if something did happen um and i right. i don't know how much um because I mean, i'm quite open with my friends um i don't know how much some of them do still think it's like that um but you know whatever people need to think that's fine <laughs> right yeah sometimes you can't control what other people think no. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, and and to your point though, like it it wasn't like oh this was a one time like hey you know I'm having this hard week mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this it's it's been an it's been a continuation and so I think probably at a certain point they start to recognize it like oh this wasn't just this wasn't just because of of your mom being sick yeah. so yeah 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 I I can understand all of that and oh, totally so how how have you seen yourself and your husband like grow through this experience and it and it sounds like it's been maybe what about three years since you really yeah kind of dove into it yeah um so just obviously our communication is so much better now our sex is so much better like we're much more open about what we want and trying new things and I guess I feel more I think before I never felt like I was as good as him and I always thought that if we split up, it would be him kind of realizing that and leaving me. Um, and I think he says not, but I think he felt the same. So he'd never considered that I might leave him. And so it was only once I started, like, well, it was only once he saw that other people were kind of showing an interest that he was like, oh, I actually really need to make an effort here and not take you for granted. So it just totally improved our relationship because we yeah, we just looked at it differently. And I realized there there were times when I thought that we'd break up and I was like, oh, I'm actually okay with that. Like, it'd be quite exciting to live on my own for the first time. And and it just made me realize it was a choice. Like, I want to be with you. I'm not just with you because it's easy or because of the kids or, you know, it's just what I'm used to. It it made me realize that it was a choice and not a default. Um, And then kind of more personally, I've it's definitely like it made me work harder at work because you know I wanted to show off to people about my job or it's made me eat better and exercise more because I wanted to look good for a day and so it's just all the ways that you might want to be better it's made me um just Yeah. yeah just improve myself and you know just wanting to learn more or you know just wanting to have more interesting conversation for a date and developing hobbies and all that sort of thing. So it's, yeah, it's massively, massively improved both our lives, I would say, and our relationship. Yeah. I love that. It really snaps you out of the complacency. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. so easy to fall into that. Like, Oh, well we're just together now. That's what we do. And yeah. Emma will be here when I wake up and I'll be there when she wakes up and like to realize that like, no, like there's another world out there and we don't like, we don't have to be doing this, but we choose it every day and we choose it very intentionally. And I think that realization, our relationship. relationship, Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think I've, I've realized just kind of thinking about having this conversation today. um, It it made me really realize that I, that my marriage is actually way more conditional than other relationships because uh, I need him to be a good dad and to, keep his job and like do things around the house. And I, so I, there are so many more conditions on him. They might not be set. He can do what he likes sexually with anyone. There's no conditions around that, but there are conditions on him in other ways. Whereas other people it's, it's completely unconditional. Like they can see whoever they like, whenever they like Uh, it's, you know, they can just live their life and they can waste their money on whatever they want to. It's none of my business. And they can, you know, kind of come and go and our relationship might ebb and flow without it needing to be some awful breakup. Um, so it's just even, um, so, so this girl, like she smokes, if my husband smokes, I go mental at him. I hate it. Um, but I don't mind it with her. Like that's, you know, that's just who she is. So it's, 
yeah, I actually have a much more unconditional relationship with the sort of secondary partners, I suppose you'd call them. Um, but I also think it's made me feel our marriage feel more unconditional as well, because, you know, we are, we, there is just so much more freedom. Yeah. That's super interesting. The, the way you talked about that, I think it's really the first time somebody's kind of talked about it in that way on the show. And, and I hadn't thought about that, that like, well, we thought about it, right? Like you, you kind of, you spend time with another partner and it's almost like a vacation. Like mm-hmm. you, you step out, you forget about the bills and the taxes and the kids and the chores and the, and the, all the stuff that's going on at home. And you just go and have this fun evening. And then you come back to that. And it, and then that becomes the challenge of how do you keep or bring back that like vacation mode for you and your husband sometimes. Right. And that's something yeah. that Emma and I have been like really working at. Like, yeah, we've got all of these things looming over us and we go and see other people. Well, Cause it's the, the monotony of the day to day. Yeah. You or see the stress of it. The st- yeah. yeah. Monotony stress. Yeah. Just living life yeah. versus going and just, you know, on a date or having, you know, having fun and having that you know, with that other person for a night is so different than the other relationship that, that yeah. if you're in a, you know, a nesting relationship where you live together or have kids and it's just. Yeah. Well, and it's sometimes hard to find that time to just go and have fun. And you're like, yeah. well, you see, like you see your partner, like you went and did this fun thing and that fun thing and this fun thing. You're like, well, when was the last time we went and just mm-hmm. played mini golf or whatever, did something stupid and, and pointless just because it was fun. And we see ourselves doing those things with other people. And then we have to like, check it and be like, well, we should do that together as yeah. well. So there's a different approach that you kind of came at it with, but I feel like it, it's very similar and, mm-hmm. and I appreciated that. Yeah. So we were in, um, in lockdown. I think our lockdowns were a bit stricter than yours. So like we weren't meant to leave the house like, at all. Um, so we were doing every Saturday night, we'd have a date night. So we'd do like one of us would be in charge of like cooking a nice meal and we'd both get dressed up. And even the person who wasn't cooking, would even like go out, the front door and come and knock on the door so you had to answer the door to them and like we set the kids up with a film and pizza or whatever and they'd have a sleepover and so and every Saturday night we would do something different so um you know we'd we'd like have a nice meal and then go to the cinema um and just go and watch a film in our lounge or we'd uh like have a disco or, or whatever and it was just yeah we were really making the effort and then that's kind of slid now that we're back and able to go out in real life and see our friends that's been uh, we uh, we haven't made the same kind of effort to do that anymore which is a shame I really miss it but um and we keep saying like well we must do that again and then it just never quite happens <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. maybe you have to be intentional about doing it yeah. you know not every Saturday but mm-hmm. but, but uh, a little more you know still work it in sometimes but it's hard I, I yeah. completely agree like it's hard because you want to go spend time with other people and want to get out and it's easy to let that just take the back seat yeah but I th- I've always been like it with the kids too I think um so I've got two and I've always been really intentional to make sure that we have one-to-one time with each of them mm-hmm. um whether that's just walking to school or you know, like taking them to a, a film or out for dinner or just for a walk or something, uh, or just reading even, but just to make sure that we have time with them together and time separately because they're both individual people. And so to, to make sure that we do that with them, but it, it goes for the two of us as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I wanted to say too, I appreciate the the view on the, the, the silver linings of the pandemic. Cause I think we've heard a lot of stories from people that like, yeah, we, we started being close in a way we hadn't been in a very long mm-hmm. time. And it sounds like that 
that was true for, for you and your husband as well. And then it's like, how do we keep it going? Or how do we bring it back again? Because the lockdown's over and you're like, oh, we're free. And we just, psh, we yeah. go right back to the way we used to <laughs> yeah. be. And and you're like, damn it, I miss those movie nights and getting dressed yeah. up and going to the front door. And mm-hmm. yeah, so that's interesting. And and again, thank you. I've said that a lot. I found a lot <laughs> of useful stuff on this. So I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I was curious on the, you, you said about, um, you, you made the comment that like um, in terms of like the conditionality of your relationship, like there's a lot more maybe rules or, or expectations you have. And you said, but, you know, as far as like hooking up with other people, he can do whatever he wants there. That's not the mm-hmm. problem. How, how have you two approached like the rules and boundaries and framework for like what you can and can't do on with, with other partners and, and maybe tying that into like your comment about um, your husband's worry that maybe he would find out something that you've done or about you. And then that would turn him off and he wouldn't want to be with you mm-hmm. anymore. So like, at what level do you share with each other as well? Yeah. So this is, um, a bit of a difficult cause I'm a, I'm a sharer. So, you know, I'm the kind of person that would come and talk about this on a podcast. So it's, it's really hard because I do like, if something good is happening in my life, I want to tell people about it because I'm excited and I'm happy and I, and like, maybe they can learn something from, from it that could help them be happier as well. Um, so I have to really rein it in with how much I share because I don't want to upset him. Um, and there has, yeah, there's been, um, there's been, yeah, there was one particular moment where that went wrong. Um, but I'm going to use that as a plug for the book because I put it in the book. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I got home from a night and kind of said what happened. And then, yeah, that was, so the, the thing that had happened was kind of all fine and within the agreed rules and things that we'd set before I went, but um, the telling him was not fine. And that was kind of what sent it over the edge. And, you know, we didn't even argue about it, but just we didn't have the lovely reconnection evening that I had hoped for. Um, but, you know, that was okay. It was, we had maybe a, a few days where we were fine. We weren't arguing or anything, but just a bit not perfect. Um yeah, so we at first we had, uh, you know, like tons of rules, like everyone does. You know, you can do this and you can do this, or like you have to ask permission before doing this. And uh, yeah, I think that's. I think we're quite clear on. So on the whole, I I want it to be. You can you can I trust you to make good kind of healthy safe decisions and to not purposefully ever hurt me. Um, so we are almost there, but there's still a couple of, of kind of rules as well that would be, I suppose, sort of deal breakers. Um, but they're, yeah, they're very clear. So we, we know where we are in terms of what we can and can't do. And also, so he doesn't, it's not quite don't ask, don't tell, but he doesn't really want to know any details of what I've been up to. It's more like he needs to know who I'm seeing, what time I'll be back kind of thing, um, which is more about safety. Um, so if he knows who I'm going to be seeing before it happens, like there's always going to be a, a, a small conversation about, you know, what's okay. And because it will, just because, just because we've said something was okay once doesn't mean that it's necessarily okay the next time, depending, you know, we might have stuff going on between us that changes that, or maybe someone else has come into the picture, which changes that. So um, yeah, it's just a constant conversation really mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and then how do you how do you take that conversation 
and then translate it to the person you're going to see, right? Because perhaps one day you're like, we can do anything and everything. And the next time it's like, hey, we just can kiss tonight. And I don't know if there are those kinds of swings, but that, that conversation that can be a little hard, I think on somebody who's feeling almost like they're, their enjoyment or their Mm -hmm. freedom is being controlled by some other outside force. Yeah. So that, that hasn't happened where it's gone kind of backwards with the same person. Um, uh, yes. Yeah. That's, that's not come up for us. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was just curious because I, that I see that as a challenge Mm -hmm. um, for sure, but it sounds like not the case. So Yeah. yeah. You mentioned safety. Uh, how do you keep yourself safe in these situations and come up, what strategies do you and your husband have? Yeah. So, um, I actually talked about this with a friend and we're, we're saying how it's so much safer because the person you're going to meet, even if it's like a first date and you're going to their house, they know that you've got someone at home waiting for you and expecting you back at a certain times. So there's already that kind of extra safety element. They know it's not like you've just gone home with a random guy from a club or something like they know that someone's waiting for you at home. Um, but we've done, obviously I've done quite a lot of outdoor dates cause it's been locked down. So I've done lots of walks and things. So I've used on WhatsApp, you can do the live location tracker. So I've got a couple of friends that I would send that to rather than kind of rubbing it in my husband's face. Um, so he would know roughly where I'm going and when I'll be back, but then I would send them the live tracker so they can, you know, just see if, if anything seems off. Um, but so far it's yeah. all been really safe. And I just think, yeah, yeah it's so open I think there's definitely if if I'm seeing someone else that's in any kind of non-monogamous relationship rather than just someone who's single and monogamous then like everything's so upfront isn't it so you're there's you're having all these conversations like I would so for example before meeting someone I might tell, tell them like I'm not allowed to have sex on first dates like can you imagine saying that to a single guy that you met on Tinder? Like they'd be like, oh, don't bother then. Or just it's it's like setting up like you are expecting to on the second date. So it's um, but I think it's it's different in this situation because they probably have a rule like that themselves, or they have had at some point, or they've met someone else in that situation. So although it kind of takes some of the fun out of it, um, I think being that upfront is quite refreshing. It's it's yeah, there's like not so many mind games and things when it's mm-hmm. with other people that are non-monogamous because they just get it and they like there's just not time for it just I'm trying yeah. to juggle like three relationships here and a family and a work and you know like yeah. I have time to mess around so it's yeah I like the honesty of it yeah well and especially if you're upfront about it right like if that if that information comes up like in the texting that leads up to a date versus like you're making out and getting naked and you're like mm-hmm. oh by the way no sex on the first date yeah. like <laughs> yeah like, oh, whoa. like that would have been good to know about four yeah. hours ago or three weeks ago. So I yeah. think, I think the honesty is super important, but like you said earlier, timing is everything um, mm-hmm. on those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want, I had a question a little while ago and then we got on different topics. So I'm going to kind of switch, switch gears mm-hmm. here for a minute. When you and your husband kind of started these conversations and navigated these conversations, you ended up starting to date separately, but did you two ever talk about you know, more traditional swinging, doing things together, dating people together. I'm, I'm just kind of curious yeah. if that came up in your conversations. It did, but I don't think it's anything that really interested either of us. Um, we went to see a counsellor and she suggested going to like a sex club to help normalise sex for him a little bit. Um, and he was 
surprisingly keen on doing that, um, which I hadn't expected. Um, and I was kind of willing, but not really into it. Um, and then the pandemic hit anyway, so it, it kind of didn't come up. But no, it just doesn't really appeal. I think it's, I think for me, it's there's so much more to it than sex. Like I love all the getting to know someone and, and all of that. I wouldn't want to do it without all of that all that kind of nice conversation and all the anticipation and the uncertainty and, and all of that. So, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not kind of happened for us so far, but not to say that it wouldn't. Yeah. But it's just not an interest mm-hmm. right now. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of along the same lines of like, how have you seen yourself grow? I think maybe like you, you kind of came into this a few years ago, you did a ton of reading, you did a ton of research. Like what are some of the things that you've learned or have have like changed in your approach to relationships or love and sex as mm. you've been exploring this. I know this is similar to like how you've grown, but I think it's, there's a little bit of a, a twist on it there. Yeah. So I think it's um, just seeing that a relationship doesn't have to be kind of moving forward. It can just be where it is and it can be quite casual, but still committed and still really happy and enjoyable. And it doesn't need to be leading to, moving in or getting engaged or having kids or anything like that you can just enjoy it for what it is and the pandemic did that as well just made me just enjoy the day that I'm in which is something I've always struggled with my whole life like I would even as a kid my mum would always say I'd like finish one birthday party and tell her what I wanted to do the following year and I, was, I was always looking ahead and excited about the next thing and not really living in the moment and I think the last the last couple of years I've really learned to to live in the moment and just enjoy the journey um, in a way that I've not always been good at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think that's that's super important. And maybe to build on that, you you talked about earlier that like you you were kind of maybe looking for something that was a little more of a relationship and you haven't really found that. You've had of like some friends with benefits and mm-hmm. a couple of repeat experiences with a few different people. But like what is your like if you were if if you got like a magic wand and not the mm-hmm not the sex toy magic wand, like an actual <laughs> magical wand. Um, not that that one doesn't work magic on occasions <laughs> that you could like create your ideal, like relationship structure. Like what would that look like for you? Like number of people and what those people would look like. It's a hard question. I know, but you got a magic wand. You got to use it. <laughs> so I am like, I'm not far from that. Um, so I think I've I've always had, as well as my husband, I've always had a really close best friend, but they kind of come and go. And I I just want that, but with sex as well, even if it's occasional. So I, I've like I've basically got that with this with this friend at the moment. Like she she hangs out with all of us, she is friends with the kids and we, we all get on really well. Um, but there's just no uh, like title on it and it's not so we and what I really like as well that it's not sex every time it's you know we are friends we'll just go out and have a really nice day out and you know that's it it's not like hand holding and kissing and um but then the next time there might be and I quite like the uncertainty of that as well because I've got certainty already like I don't need to know what's going to happen every time it's I like that it's I never know and like she might be seeing someone else at the time who's monogamous or she might not be and I quite I like how that kind of changes over time so yeah like I'm I'm pretty much got what I want (laughs) I think Mm -hmm. on the whole (laughs) what what I'd like the most is a spare bedroom in my house um that's what that's what I'm (laughs) missing (laughs) 
<laughs> with with soundproof walls yeah, and a lock yeah. on the door. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly yeah. 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 We, we know that spare room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Been designing it for years. <laughs> uh, a little while ago, you mentioned, too, that you had a, a story that you weaved into your book um, mm-hmm. around kind of telling telling somebody. And I want to come back to that. But before we do, I wanted to ask you, like, how open in your life are you about your non-monogamous, non-monogamous journey um, with other people? Yeah, more open than my husband would like. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Hence I, the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, yeah, like I tell, I think for me, it's a real test of a friendship if I feel comfortable and safe talking to somebody about it. And um, so... I like putting that to the test and talking to lots of people. And I make I made a real effort, particularly right at the beginning, to talk to people who I knew had been on either side of an affair or who I knew um like definitely wouldn't like it, just to kind of see like, I know this person really isn't gonna like this thing, but they love me. So like what are they gonna make of this? Are they gonna understand? How are they gonna react? And like if are they is there anything they could say that would make me change my mind? And so I've purposefully kind of chose to speak to certain people and then, you know, get like one drink in me and I'll tell anyone. Um, so, um, yeah, like I am, I am quite open, but also, you know, like not entirely, not everybody in our, in our lives knows. Um, I, but I would, I would like to be more open because I think if people have heard bits of rumors and gossip, they're probably imagining something way sort of worse than what's actually going on I think like if you just tell them the truth it's basically boring isn't it like it's not that exciting um Mm -hmm. so truth is the best kind of antidote to rumors but yeah my husband's not quite there with that level of openness um just yet not not with everyone so he knows he knows like a lot of people know um but it's you know I think and when I tell people it's nice like mostly they say something along the lines of oh I wish I could do that but like I couldn't let my partner do it so like no way and then they just want to check that my husband's okay like that's that's the main thing like I haven't found people to be judgmental or difficult about it at all like people have been really supportive and seem genuinely interested and want to know about it um Mm -hmm. and most people have got some kind of a story haven't they of like oh like yeah there's this one time so um yeah, it kind of, and I think, yeah, and it really has built my friendships with people. Like, I feel a lot closer to the people that know. And I think sometimes as well, if if maybe um, it's a friend who I felt close to and I can sort of sense they want to, like, check in on me about my mum and, like, ask how I'm doing, uh, but maybe I don't want to talk about it. If I talk about that instead, then it, like, builds the vulnerability. And so they're like, oh, well, she does trust me. It's not that she doesn't want to talk to me. Um, so that's that's been quite nice as well. So it's really, yeah, as well as making my relationship better, it's made loads of my friendships so much stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just to, to confirm, your husband does know you're on this podcast. He does. He knows. You're on it, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> he knows. He knows. He's, uh, yeah, he's taken the kids out, especially for the afternoon. So, uh, yeah, he's, <laughs> oh, yeah he knows I'm here. <laughs> Okay, just, awesome. just wanted to verify that. <laughs> we should have done that at the front end. But I know. You know what? We're, not, we're not perfect. Um, yeah. I think the other question I had, and it's probably a yes or no question, so it, it's not going to mm-hmm. spark a ton of conversation, but like in your in your time telling friends, you said like I've told friends and they're like, oh, I wish I could do that. 
or I'd be interested in doing that. Have you ever told like both halves of a couple, like individually and had them both be like, I'd really be interested in that. <laughs> and then you talk to the other one and like, I'd really be interested in that. And you're like, um, hmm, we should probably talk to each other about this. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, it's the, no, but like, <laughs> I kind of want that to happen. That'd be really interesting. <laughs> I, I think um, you should work yeah. on that. No, actually, no. Now, now that um, no, now that I think about it a bit more, that has actually like so. I have told two halves of a couple, and they have both said exactly that line. Like, I'd really like to do it, but I wouldn't want the other person to do it. And I have been like, well, you should talk about that. Like, why don't you just talk about it? like you both clearly <laughs> like the idea and aren't repulsed by it um but no as far as i know they haven't followed that up <laughs> we need to get them on the show and we need to facilitate this conversation live and pick apart what are what are you concerned about what are your fears so, yeah i think that's hard right because if, if the if the answer was like i would love to do that but i don't think my partner would that's different right then you could be like mm-hmm. uh well you talk to your partner because they might be interested but but if it's like, I don't think I could handle it, mm-hmm. then it's, I see that being the limiting. And that but most really people hard, think so. that, right? Anyway. Most people think they wouldn't be able to handle it. Um, yeah. Although I just, I don't know, like I didn't, maybe I'd, it's really hard to know. Are people just wired this way or is it that you've just had the time to think about it? Because um, I never felt like it would bother me um, for him to be with someone else. Like it was just if you're going to leave me, I need to know about it, but otherwise I don't really care. Like go and do your thing. I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, I always felt confident it would only do good things for our relationship, even before I'd done any reading on it. Um, but yeah, I think most people don't think like that. Right. <laughs> and, and so on that though, like, do you think that's tied to the security you have with him? And, and maybe the, the sort of the question on top of that is when you've been in sort of these, uh, more casual relationships with other people has jealousy cropped up for you in those like this person maybe you've seen them three or four times and they're like oh I'm going out with someone else and you're like hey where did that come from like I don't even feel that with my husband but now with this person I've seen three times I'm feeling something yeah so I think I've only so I have definitely felt that but it's been more of that fear of what if they're going to make them be monogamous and then they can't see me anymore? It's not like, I I, it doesn't bother me that they're with someone else. Like, you know, I'm full of compassion. Like, as you know, just go for it, enjoy it. Like I'm mainly just really happy for them, but um, it is the, the like, Oh, what if they want to be monogamous with them? Like how will that go? And, and if I don't feel secure enough in that, in the relationship I have with them, like that's, that's where it comes in that kind of fear and uncertainty whereas yeah like you say I'm, it's so stable with my marriage that that doesn't come into it at all yeah mm-hmm. yeah i appreciate that because it's it's interesting to see how that lack of jealousy in one area can come up in a different mm-hmm. and we've seen that and experienced that so we yeah it's it's a it's a jealousy is an interesting emotion mm-hmm. um, yeah to, to pick apart but mm-hmm. Well, I want to hear, so you said you had a story that we talked about in your book. I think she was going to try to force us to get yeah, to like the you've book. Got to read I the think book. that was the whole point. It was <laughs> sure. like, then can you talk about your just, book? She's just teasing us with it. <laughs> That's what I want you to do, tease the rest of the book. <laughs> um, so uh, it was, uh, like, like I said earlier, it was really about just trying to write the book that I wish had existed and that had 
that I felt like um, the kind of more reluctant partner could read and be like, oh, actually, like, this isn't what I thought at all. And also that you could maybe share with friends. So if you've told a friend that you're non-monogamous, and they're like, like, what does that really mean? And they can read it. And I I had a friend who I'd told and talked to quite a lot about it in the past. And then she read it for me. And she was like, oh, I totally get it now. So just for if you want someone to read it and be like, oh, actually, it's quite like wholesome and nice, really, isn't it? It's not, um, it's not all like dungeons and sex parties. And, um, you know, it's actually like proper relationships, and there's feelings there and support. Um, and I've included a lot in the book about all of the other um, the sort of NRE stuff that just helps you grow in other ways. So um, it's, yeah, like I've tried to make it a very wholesome, good story, kind of showing all of the stuff about it's about the journey, not the destination. Um, and it's purposefully, hopefully quite a short, easy read uh, so that anyone could pick it up and just and read it and kind of just get a little bit of insight into what it might actually be like which is probably quite different than what people have in their heads um I know we we're going for my husband and I are going for a weekend away for his birthday and um someone asked us the other day we're like oh like where are you staying like obviously thinking we were staying somewhere like some kind of I don't know what but I was like a b and b <laughs> like <laughs> what do you like what um so I think people as, as soon as they hear it, they have a lot of assumptions. So the book is to kind of show people that it's like, there might be some of that, but that's not actually what it's all about. Like there's a whole lot more, just lots of conversations and like getting, like getting to know each other's partners and things like that a little bit and how that can feel. Um, so hopefully I've tried, I've tried to make it very wholesome, but still with quite a lot of uh, dirty sex in it as well which I think that's the reality like I think a lot of books it's one way or the other isn't it and that's not like the reality most people have got both elements in their life so I've tried to show that in the book yeah it's exciting and and the sequel will be all sex parties and dungeons right absolutely that's when you, okay <laughs> yeah. just wanted to make sure that yeah. we were gonna that's give a plan. little something for <laughs> yeah. exactly exactly you gotta you gotta start here and work up <laughs> yeah. to that part so so what is what is the name of the book and when can people find it and where can they find it um it's called into the open um by cj alexander and it's available on amazon now Awesome. Well, we will have links in the show notes for that. Yes. And we're excited to check it out ourselves and get get more, I think, get more people reading that, like, yeah, it doesn't have to be. And again, nothing wrong with sex parties and dungeons, but it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't have to go that extreme yeah, if you don't want point. it to. And yeah. 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 And so thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you wanted to share? I don't think so. I think we've covered quite a lot there. <laughs> Perfect. We have. We, have. We, we covered a lot of ground. So we'll, thank you again, CJ, for coming on, for sharing everything with us, for writing the book and doing the work you do, and uh, extend our gratitude to your husband. Perhaps he's listening. So <laughs> thank, thank you, husband of CJ, yes. um, for you. for uh, your openness and, and uh, you know letting the story get out there so thank, thank you, you and enjoy the yeah. rest of your evening thank you very much and we're back a huge thank you to cj for coming on the show for sharing your story and for the book that you wrote too we're excited to get all of this information out there and 
go check out her book. Links are in the show notes. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you, CJ. And we're excited to get it out there. Again, just a quick reminder, we are going to be in Los Angeles tomorrow, Thursday, April 7th with Sex Positive LA at a movie screening, Netflix screening. So that's going to be super exciting. Again, links to sign up for that are in the show notes. And we have upcoming virtual events at the end of April on the 22nd and 23rd. And everybody is welcome to the, I mean, everybody's welcome to the Sex Positive LA event. You just got to be in LA. Right. So you can be anywhere to do the virtual events. Uh, yes. Even exactly. LA. Even LA. You can be anywhere. Information to sign up for all those events are available on our website, including you can also find out more information about our Patreon community. Our website is normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and all of that information is there. Also on our website, if as you're getting out and meeting new people, we highly encourage you to also get tested for STIs. And our favorite way to do that is to use stdshock.com. If you use the links on our website, you get $10 off your panel. And it is an amazing way to do this. It's quick and efficient and discreet. We couldn't recommend it more. Yeah, it's the service Emma and I use. And with the discount, it's about $130 for a 10 panel test. And using the links helps support the show financially. And so we are eternally grateful to you for not only getting tested and knowing your status, but for helping support the show financially by doing something you were already going to do. Right. Right? Yes. All right. I think that's it. Well, but next week we've got another interview. We do. People were like, oh man, I hope we get more. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Next Wednesday, we have an interview with Anna. Come back and listen. It's an amazing conversation. Yeah. Love this one. We're super excited for it. We will see everybody in seven days. Unless we see you tomorrow, then we will see you in one day. Right. Exactly. Good job. (laughs) I I thought so. Uh, Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.